Bowl victory. Amazing. Amazing. 30 points on top. The fake news against him, half the Republican establishment, the judicial system. He's been arrested and he wins by 30 points. I think it's totally amazing. I feel very, very good about the future, don't you? And look at who's gone. Basically everybody, all right? How many? Pence is gone. Uh, Christie and the rest of them now. Nikki and Ron. More on them in a moment. Uh, can we see the margin? It was, what? 51% to 21 to 19. Look at that. How many points is that? 30 points. A margin of 30 points Donald Trump won by. That is just incredible. It is the ultimate political achievement. One of them. I mean, they should be writing books about this, but I notice everybody wants to move on. Oh, the story is now New Hampshire. New Hampshire, New Hampshire, New Hampshire. He broke records, okay? The last guy to beat the competition by, well, this was a record at one point. George W. Bush in 2000 beat somebody by 10 points, and he became a juggernaut. There's no stopping Bush. Let's see. After 10 points, Bob Dole in 1988, they were swooning when he beat, uh, forgot who he beat. Oh, I know, George H.W. Bush, who actually came in third place. Look, it's a big deal. It should be maximized, not minimized. And how do they do it? Well, a lot of different ways, okay? There's a lot that goes into politics, but I'm gonna talk about what I could see, all right? With my own eyes, my ears, Donald Trump went out there and talked to the people and did it relentlessly. Now, oh, he didn't go to Iowa as much as he should have or as much as the others. Well, number one, he doesn't have a problem with name recognition, right? We know who he is. Whether the speech is in Texas or Nebraska, it really doesn't matter. And he could actually fill an hour and a half with policy ideas, with detailed and sometimes funny critiques of, of his opponents, the media, back to policy, his record. You know, other candidates, Republican, Democrat alike, they can't do that. And I don't think they want to do it. They have a crutch, kind of like props. Check it out. It was my mother, Catherine Eugenia Finnegan Biden from Scranton would say, well, no, hush up and take any questions you all have. Fire away, raise your hand. I'll take questions from Republicans, I'll take questions from Democrats, I'll take questions from independents. That's why I do them. I've done them for months. I will take questions from every person. All right, that's nice, but you know, you're leading and there's something about telling people, you know, this is where I'm coming from. I don't know. There's a little bit too much reliance on, let me talk to you, because sometimes they don't have that much to say. It's all about money, it's all about perks. Trump, his average event, how long would it last? 90 minutes. And you know what? Those events were full of policy, all right? I mean, this stuff, what, is, what does Biden talk about? He talks about January 6th and how we gotta be afraid of MAGA, okay? Look at this, this is, these are real issues that affect real people, all right? And when he wasn't on the stump, he was making those videos, which are very effective. We're headed down a very dangerous path. When I'm back in the White House, I will immediately unleash energy production slash regulations like I did just three years ago and repeal Biden's tax hikes to get inflation down as fast as possible. You know, it's substance, far more substance than the media want to engage in. It's all uh, who endorsed who and uh, oh, what was the fundraising total last month and all that kind of stuff. This is about ideas. 
And it reminds me of another very successful Republican president when he was running for president. To preserve our peace and our freedom, we must maintain a margin of safety, not numerical superiority in arms and armament, but a margin of safety that is a combination, a balance of a strong economy, mutual respect and unity among our great allies, and a revitalized, up-to-date military capability. History has taught us only too well that tyrants are tempted only when the forces of freedom are weak. Very simple, straight to camera, ideas, not fooling us with a bunch of gimmicks or anything like that. Reagan did it, Trump does it. Uh, these, this, this new generation, the younger generation, Nikki Haley likes to brag about how young she is. How about just telling the truth, Nikki? Try that. That's, uh, that, that's good no matter how old you are. I can safely say tonight Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. <laughs> what is Two-person race? Well, you came in third place. She came in third place, right? Yeah, behind DeSantis. It was close, but there she is all the way down. Two-person race. I don't know. I think that's kind of unfair. I know that Beltway tells you all this stuff about the, 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 the amount of money that Ron spent and all that. Let me look at the map, the big map. How many counties did Trump win? Uh, 98 or so? And one county for Nikki. She won it by one vote. I would be polishing my uh, quitting speech. Okay, I think she should. Well, anyway, there is still New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis did not have a great night. All right, I know that. Um, let's face it, uh, he's just not good at campaigning. I don't know what it is. You know, if I went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Oxford and all those places, I would have a bit more confidence on the stump. And I wouldn't be relying on this kind of trickery. Thanks for coming out to caucus. I'm proud to have visited all 99 counties in Iowa, uh, listened to your concerns and answered your questions. We're doing all 99 counties in Iowa because this caucus demands that you earn it and you got to go meet the folks. We did the 99. Now we need caucus night to victory. God bless. It, it, turns out going to all 99 counties is a waste of time. You don't have to do that anymore with... Uh, technology. You know who does this stuff? Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer. Uh, this turned me off to the whole see every county in the state thing. One of the things I'm best known for in New York is my commitment to visit all 62 counties every year. This year we celebrated our silver anniversary, the 25th year of visiting every one of the 62 counties. Who cares? I've been in New York for a uh, I was born here. I've lived here a long time. I don't know how many, 63 counties, 62 counties. Can I see the counties? I don't recognize any of them. I know my home county. I know New York City. I know Suffolk. I know about six upstate counties. People just don't look at the world this way, the way politicians do. And in Iowa, I bet it's the same way. People tell me, oh, no, you don't know Iowa. We're not like that. We know all, nobody does. Nobody does. It's not a big deal. Hey, this is a big deal, though, how the people of Iowa Think about issues. Not all 99 counties. Let's take a look at this. They call these entrance polls. 66% say Biden was not legitimately elected in 2020. You know, I have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. You're allowed to do that. And maybe if they had, well, not rejected some of those cases based on flimsy 
standing issues. It could have been more adequately aired and people would feel more confident. But how about that for a number? Next, please. Uh, 40% say immigration is the most important issue. Gotcha. Totally. And 35% say the economy is the most important issue. We heard almost nothing about January 6th. Nothing. No one's interested. Everybody knows. Everybody's finding out what really happened. All right. New Hampshire is next week. Next week. And for a moment, I want to talk about governance. How Trump would govern term two. The deep state is a big threat. It really is. It's out of control. And we, the people, the deck is stacked against us. Take a look. How many elected, well, there are 7.8 million employees. How many elected representatives do we have? 437, I think, if you count them all up. Um, and what can most of them do? Write a letter, right? Up against the swamp, our elected leaders, they don't have that much of a chance. And when you got people hanging around the military like Millie and the new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, C.Q. Brown. C.Q. Brown is convinced everything is racist. Millie, who was openly defying President Trump and trying to trip him up every step of the way, outright sabotage, dangerous. And this is what you can see. You can't see this. It's called the SES. Have you ever heard of the SES? Probably not. It is the Senior Executive Service. The elite class of government bureaucrats, unelected, very little accountability, lots of prestige in the government, and a fair amount of money. Some of them are great, I'm sure, but who are they? 8,000 of them, 8,000 in the government, and they have a lot of power. You know, the deep state, dare I say, could pose a, yeah, as I mentioned, a real threat to our democracy. And at this moment, Tell everybody you know to stop saying the word existential, all right? It's a fake news favorite, and they say it all the time. Wrong. We so believe that Trump is an existential threat to the United States. Donald Trump is an existential threat. Donald Trump is an existential threat to America. It's tragic because Trump is an existential threat to democracy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did go to college. I remember Camus. I remember Jean-Paul Sartre, the book they made us read. That was existentialism. Existential. Can I see the word existential, please? All right. What is the... They all get it wrong. The definition of existential is concerned with existence, especially human existing, as viewed in the theories of existentialism. Human existence, I believe. Sorry about the typo as we're trying to define existentialism. And here's an, an example of existentialism. The existential dilemma is this. Because we are free, we are also inherently responsible. It is philosophical gobbledygook. Yes, it is. Uh, but it's not like the fake news describes. All right. Now, there's this. I mentioned the establishment. I mentioned Republicans, old-time Republicans like well, like this guy. Who's that with Bill Clinton on the left? That is William Cohen, a former senator from Maine, a Republican who Bill Clinton made Secretary of Defense. He thought it'd be cute to make a Republican Secretary of Defense. Whatever. Never served in the military, became SecDef. And here he is with Bill Clinton back in the day. And, you know, when you get a job like that, you can dine out on it for the rest of your life. And now he is a, a member of the swamp, 
in very good standing, still decades after he had that big job. I know that Donald Trump was the fireman in chief. He's the chief marshal. Forget about all the arguments of whether he arranged it, whether he inspired them, whether he watched. He was the fireman in chief, and he watched the fire burn. And while he sat back either eating chips or drinking uh, some soft drink uh, and took no action, that was an impeachable act. And any person in the Senate who doesn't recognize that as an impeachable act and should and votes not to convict, they don't deserve to have the word honorable next to their name. Wow. Uh, he's really panicky, really kind of desperate, totally over the top. Now, I've seen that before on cable news now, but from him. So did a little research. He runs something called the Cohen Group that does business all over the globe in the most, well, cynical way possible, making huge amounts of money. I'm going to go through that when we come back. It's important, all right? It explains so much, and it shows what we're going to be up against when Trump gets back in there, as I hope he does. And also, Donald Trump had to be in court today with that crazy person, E. Jean Carroll. Uh, she's back. But I've got something about her that you have not heard yet, and it's pretty wild. Stay with me. You should never allow the military to become used by politicians uh, for a political objective. Hear that? Former Secretary of Defense, you should never use the military to achieve a political objective. It's kind of weird. I know he's talking about domestically, all right? And that's another, no, we don't want that. But the military is there to achieve political objectives. It actually is political overseas objectives. It's a strange thing, this guy. He is so emblematic, I think, of the pinnacle of the deep state and the swamp. So I mentioned he was defense secretary under Bill Clinton in the 90s, okay? Now he's in charge of something called the Cohen Group. Right. The Cohen group. And guess who's the chairman? He is Bill Cohen because of his long career in the U.S. Senate. All right. And that choice job that Bill Clinton gave him. So I went to the Cohen group's website and they boast about all the things they can do for your firm, your consortium, whatever. Let's give it a look. Huh. What do they do? A U.S. manufacturer of medical vials and syringes sought the Cohen Group's support to secure funding to expand its domestic production capacity for its unique technology, ideally suited to mRNA drugs. Okay, so they get involved, have a few meetings, and what happens? As a result of this support from the Cohen Group, the company they were representing won over $140 million from the Department of Defense and the Department of Health and Human Services. You see, there's money on the table, and these guys who've worked in the swamp know how to get it. How about this one? A top U.S., this is, a, this is like their resume. They're boasting about this stuff. A top U.S. health insurance firm engaged the Cohen Group to support expanding its government business. Okay, how about this, though? The client identified a long list of targets, including foreign ministries, foreign embassies, consulates, and multilateral institutions based in the U.S. Okay, the U.S. health insurance firm, I guess, wants to increase its overseas business. 
We worked with this company to prioritize their list and facilitated meetings with over a dozen entities for the client. It goes on this way, and to date they have concluded uh, several multi-million dollar contracts with the entities on the original target list. It is the swamp, and it is so deep. And I think we've figured out why this guy is so afraid of Trump, right? It has nothing to do with January 6th. I think he's going to mess with his uh, this sweet business plan, which, I don't know, 10% for the American people. At least this guy got everything because of what the American people actually gave him. All right, take a look at this, please. Statutes of limitations are based on the idea that after a certain point of time, evidence becomes so unreliable that it's fundamentally unfair to charge somebody with a crime. As time progresses, evidence deteriorates, documents disappear, and memories simply fade away. And limitations incentivize law enforcement to be prompt and efficient in their investigation. Yeah, he's talking about the statute of limitations, why we actually have it. Makes a lot of sense. People forget there's no more evidence. It's almost impossible to defend yourself if the charge is old. And also, if there's a genuine victim, I mean, he or she is going to be at a loss, right? So we have the statute of limitations. But Trump showed up and everybody threw out the rules, threw out the law. Kathy Hochul, our somewhat goofy governor here in New York State, somewhat very goofy governor, actually signed a law that said people could bring up sexual assault claims from, it didn't matter, from the 1960s, whatever, just whatever. Trump was the target. And, you know, this whole E. Jean Carroll thing, right after winning in Iowa, he had to come back to face E. Jean Carroll in court because the next proceeding is how much money is she going to get? They already have concluded that Donald Trump did something to her in the 1990s, an impossible conclusion to reach. Impossible. The statute of limitations before America lost its mind. And E. Jean Carroll apparently lost her mind a long time ago. Sorry, but her tweets exist. And this should be fodder for the fake news. It's not. They support her. So whatever she tweets is fine. Can we take that from the top, please? They're going too fast. We have to, we have to go through these. Um, sex tip I learned from my dog. When in heat, chase the mate until he collapses with exhaustion. Then jump him. Okay, Eugene Carroll. That's 12 years ago. Any ideas on how to dominate a man? I don't know. Kick him in the eyeball? What's that? Next, please. Uh, there is no such thing as a slut. Only sexual geniuses. That's her 10 years ago. See, Jean Carroll has obviously, in my opinion, a screw loose. It's not the most beautiful woman. No, it's the, it's the woman who makes the least mistakes, who seduces the most men. I think that was her objective. Okay, there's their word. Uh, what can be done about, oh my goodness, the penis? It gets large when you want it small and stays small. Okay, this kind of stuff. And this is perhaps the worst. She's watching. Is this the one about her mother? No, that's coming up. How do you know your unwanted sexual advance is unwanted until you advance it? Huh. Would men have invented chastity belts, veils, and crocs if women weren't just unbelievably hot? Honey, you were born to seduce. That's from 2011. Everything interesting on Twitter is about sex. This person has her mind in a certain place. Uh, where's the one? Okay, can I see that a little bit bigger like we talked? Okay, you got to look at the bottom. It's a little bit hard to see. You have not lived until you've sat by your mother watching the 
rape scenes, we took out a word because it's unbelievably vile, rape scenes in the movie Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's kind of what we're dealing with, okay? Now, these tweets are hard to find, though. They've been essentially scrubbed from the Internet. And so has his, her Anderson Cooper interview, you know, the one where she said rape is sexy. Have we played that yet? I think we have to. For the record, this is where she's coming from, E. Jean Carroll. The word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not, this was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. Well, I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not I think most sexual. people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. I think she likes just hearing her own voice. Slurred and uh, maybe under the influence. Something's going on there. Um, that's a disgusting thought that she just expressed on national TV. Hard to find. But it eclipses some of the other stuff that she said in that interview. I had to go back and see. Remember, this woman was in the same room today as President Trump right after winning Iowa. Take a look. We were having a high old time. You remember Donald Trump, hail fellow well met, walking up and down the streets of New York, greeting everybody. Everybody liked him. You're he talking about 1995, 96. He was Shakespearean. He was great. You'd love to see him on the street. So when we met in Bergdorf's and he said, help me, uh, advise me to find a president, I was delighted. I was thrilled. I thought, this is hilarious. I mean, okay, whatever. 95, 96, she does not know the year of this alleged incident. Keep going, please. You were in, in you say you were in Bergdorf Goodman. I was coming out of Bergdorf's. Which was, was a store I heard you liked a lot. It's a posh and cozy. Your whole just, face lights up when you talk about Bergdorf. I, just, I was just there today. Okay. I, just, I just loved it. The scene of the rape, she was just there on that day. And she loved, I, you know, rape, real rape is a horrible thing. And we've all heard about the trauma that follows sexual assault. She likes to hang around the place where she's sexually assaulted. I don't believe her. And number one, even if I did, there's not a shred of evidence to back up her story. But keep going. He asked, I said, how old is the young lady? And he said, how old are you? And I said, 52. And he said, you're so old. He said that? Of course. He said, you're so old. And shortly after that, he said, I know, lingerie. Or he could have said, underwear. And so we went up the escalator. We went to the lingerie department. I think she just came from the bar. Right? <laughs> so old, and then the, the, the date continues. Not credible. Simply not credible. Keep going, though. It was a moment in time nobody was there. Uh, plus, a dressing room door was open, which is very unusual because usually they're locked. And the attendant comes and locks it, escorts you in. It's okay. The, uh, the ins and outs and uh, the mechanics of the dressing room in 1995, 96. Uh, that was never presented as evidence. Nobody knows that they have doors or curtains. They never went there. Keep going, please. There's something we got to get to. Then we went up. He was going to get some lingerie. And I am just like, oh, I can dine out forever on this story. We're going to go get lingerie. That's the part right there. You hear it? I can dine out forever on this story. And that's exactly what she's doing. 
she can dine out forever on this story if she embellishes it or makes it up. Dining out. You know what that means, dining out, right? That's like what Bill... Dining out on something, right? Let's see here. To entertain people, especially at a meal, by telling them about an experience you have had. Her plan was to dine out for the rest of her life on this story, and she's doing that. Kind of like that Secretary of Defense dining out from his stint at the Pentagon. It stinks, and everybody knows it. And this is what the media should be doing. They should be investigating this as a group. Pack journalism, you know? It's actually, it's actually a good thing from time to time. I wish... I had more compatriots doing this with me outside of Newsmax. All right. Be right back. He loves the Constitution. He fights for what's right. He hates the bad guys. He's a freedom warrior. He's your freedom warrior. Watch Carl Higby every weekday on Newsmax. Look at that. Should be a lot more than a green check mark, huh? Fireworks should be going off around that 51% of the vote for Donald Trump vanquishing. I mean, totally destroying his opponents. Now, there are many, many, many reasons for that. And one of them is this guy. Hey. You want to say something? Come on, go up, say something. Well, I'll tell you, I had to actually do a TV interview bragging about you. The reason why I was late is because of that, but um, is he awesome or what? I am honored to be the first person in the United States to endorse this guy. The next president, the 47th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. It was a great moment. One of the very first people Donald Trump acknowledged after that amazing victory was our next guest. You just saw him right there. State Senator Brad Zahn, Republican of Iowa. Uh, welcome, sir. And um, I think we got to get you into the U.S. Senate, not just the state Senate. How are you? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be on your program, Greg. Well, many thanks. And look, I was, you know, I, at first I couldn't tell. Wait, wait, wait. Is this? Yes. You were the first, the first office holder to endorse in 2015. You did it, I think, in October. Is that right? I can't recall the exact time. Obviously, it was the 2016 uh, was the year that he was running the first time. And uh, just, uh, you know, he called me and asked me to, if he that I would you know endorse him and I had to meet with him and ask him a few questions before uh, that happened. But uh, I, I, he, he obviously uh, answered all the questions that I thought were important to me. Uh, and uh, I just love him because he's tough and he's a successful businessman. And, and I was so proud to be able to you know, endorse him at that time. I'm proud to endorse him this time. And he's become a good friend. And, and uh, I just... You know, like I've, I've had many conversations with him. I want him to make America great again. I love it. Now, again, you, when you made that endorsement, no other office holder, no other Republican office, everybody was still trying to figure out who is this guy. They wanted him to go away. He wasn't going away. You're the very first one. How much heat did you get from the Republican Party for doing what you did? Well, I think, yeah, I did get some heat. I still get a lot. I got a lot of hate mail today, but... Um, 
it's overwhelming. People were very interested in him. He was someone different. Uh, you know, I, when I first started going to those rallies, what really was amazing to me is there were so many new people that have never been a part of the process, a lot of blue-collar people, uh, and there was something special there. And, uh, it, and he's the person that just tells it the way it is, and uh, I think that was refreshing because we just don't have anybody. I don't know that there's anybody uh, in the United States that can do what he does and put up with what he puts up with. It is amazing to watch, and I, I, I agree with you. Uh, so uh, you spoke about him last night after that amazing victory, and he spoke about you. Let's take a look at that. But we have really the support of the people of Iowa, which has been just incredible. Another man who was actually the first person to endorse me in the entire country. He's a state senator. His name is Brad Zahn. He looks like he's the most handsome guy, I think. Oh, you made it. He had to drive from his caucus location. You made it. I call him the Marlboro Man. And when he says endorse, we're really talking about 2015. He endorsed me before, actually, long before I knew I was going to run. I said, who's this man in Iowa? He's a senator, a state senator. He's a good-looking guy, too. Doesn't he look? You could pay him and give him a lot of money. <laughs> Great stuff. I, I don't agree with that. He must be blind or have some eyesight problems. Hey, um, are, were you surprised at all by the margin of victory? Uh, you know, I did. Uh, I was with the president earlier in the day, and he was trying to give me, you know, trying to get up with what some kind of prediction. I, I knew that it was going to be a record, uh, and obviously it was a big record. Um, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, uh, people, there's something special about him. Iowans are common sense people, and, uh, you know, he just really touched a chord with so many people here. He did spend a lot of time here. I can tell you that the organization from a ground perspective was night and day compared to what it was four years ago. So uh, kudos to all the people that were on the ground here in the state of Iowa, and most importantly, to all the Iowans that came out in a cold, snowy night uh, to support him. Um, all right. You can read Iowa. You can, you can caucus with the best of them. You know that state. State Senator Brad Zahn, have you thought about higher office and have you thought about joining a Trump cabinet? If there is one, I think there's going to be, uh, you know, you, why not? What are you thinking? I told him, no, I'm not interested. I don't want to live in the swamp. I don't want to live in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm certainly very honored to be a state senator from Iowa. I'm the president pro tem. We've done a lot of great things in the state of Iowa, and that's what I want to continue to do. Can I see the video of you on stage last night? Uh, one more time. We're going to roll that. And uh, I do have a question as we look at that. Did you okay. get a haircut? Did you get a haircut since then? No, I haven't got a haircut. <laughs> it's just that lighting probably looks makes me look bad. But uh, no, I haven't got a haircut. Or all right. All right. Just I know I'll tell you, I was wearing a cowboy hat the day before because he calls me the Marlboro Man. And I showed up at one of the rallies dressed as a Marlboro Man. So. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, State Senator Brad Zahn, Republican of uh, Iowa there. District 22, that's just north of Des Moines, right? That is correct. The, the northwest suburbs and the northern part of the city of Des Moines. All right. Well, continued success and uh, be seeing you uh, 
Who knows where? I have a thing. I have a feeling <laughs> you're going to be on uh, Team Trump in Washington. We'll see. Thank you, sir. Uh, we'll see. Thank uh, you. We'll see you, you later. Be right back. Thank you. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. So, he's shocked. Well, who did he shock? Did he shock the political establishment? They knew he was winning, although they were hoping something weird would happen and it would all collapse. They were really pulling for Nikki Haley. Uh, I'm wondering if our adversaries overseas are watching something like Iowa and if they have a reaction behind the scenes. You know, forget what they're saying publicly. Uh, they do, I know, watch our political scene very, very closely. Donald Trump is emerging once again uh, as the man, the man, right? I mean, <laughs> everyone seems to be kind of recalibrating in the establishment that this could really happen. We knew it, you knew it, I knew it, but the establishment seems to be, again, like taking this all in. I'd like to bring in Blaine Holt, the retired Air Force Brigadier General and all-round brainiac, and Gordon Chang, celebrated attorney, author, and expert on all things China. Welcome to you both. Uh, Gordon, was China watching Iowa last night? Is, that, is it too small for them to watch? Is that the kind of thing they watch, the intelligence community, even President Xi? They watch everything, Greg, and clearly they were watching Iowa because, you know, they've got a president in the Oval Office right now that they can push around. And, and we know that, for instance, after the Taiwan election, you had Biden saying, oh, we don't support independence for Taiwan, which is exactly what Xi Jinping wanted Biden to say. What they are fearful of is a guy named Trump, because Trump will come in, he will assert American power, he will do things for the American people, which will have knock-on effects for everybody else, and that's exactly what Beijing does not want. It seems totally logical what Gordon just said. I mean, it kind of seems black and white, General Holt. Yeah, the enemies of the world, <laughs> the four horsemen, Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran, they are watching the shot clock tick down. They're going to assume that President Trump is going to return. And that's probably what's going to make this year extremely dangerous abroad and both here at home. But back to China, what Gordon's saying is exactly right. And it couldn't happen for Xi Jinping and the CCP at a worse time. They are fighting for their own lives because they've decimated their economy. They're literally playing a pair of twos. And uh, I think that we're probably likely to see whatever they've got in store for us, it's going to happen this year because they have lived large on American weakness over these past three years. So, uh, yeah, t this year could be dangerous because they're going to try to get their last licks in on the United States before Trump comes back. Here is that game showy guy, uh, <laughs> Admiral Kirby, on uh, one of the Sunday shows. Take a look. I think it'd be Pollyannish for us to think that there couldn't or may not be some sort of retaliatory strike by the Houthis. We're watching this very, very closely. We've, take the, we've taken the requisite uh, necessary precautions in the region to make sure we're ready for that if that should occur. Nobody wants a conflict with the Houthis. We're not looking for a conflict with Yemen here. We're trying to get these attacks to stop. Nobody speaking for the United States should ever use the word Pollyannish, first of all. Um, Secondly, uh, the Houthis are being redesignated a terrorist group by the Biden administration. 
They took them off. Now they're putting them back. Gordon Chang, does that make a difference? Is that just a paperwork thing or is that real? Well, in a sense, it shows what the United States thinks. But unfortunately, our response to Houthi attacks on shipping, including American warships, has really been inadequate. And we know that because even after the Thursday and Friday counterstrikes, the Houthis have now gone after our warships and they actually hit an American-owned vessel in the Red Sea with a missile. So we know that what we did was not good enough. You know, you hear, um, you know, Kirby and others in the administration say, well, we should have proportional responses. The problem is the Houthis hear that and they say, well, if the response is proportional, what do we lose? We can just continue. And that's how you really get into a larger war. The answer, which is unfortunate right now, but is we really have to have overwhelming strikes to make sure the Houthis understand that they cannot get up and attack us. Because the problem here is that if we don't do something that has an effect on, on the Houthis in Iran and China, um, which is backing this, they're just going to continue this. And we are going to see more and more attacks on Americans. Hey, can I see that video of the uh, Houthis walking all over that ship when they get off the helicopter? Mm -hmm. It's very strange. It looks like it's a video game. I think it's the quality of the camera. It's not taking pictures quickly enough. I mean, they look like robots. It really does look like, like watch, watch this. You know what I mean? Doesn't it? Don't yeah, they look like remote controlled guys? There's something odd about this video. I want to put up uh, what Secretary of State Blinken said. Uh, this is February 2021. I am revoking the designations of the Houthis as a foreign terrorist organization. The revocations are intended to ensure that relevant U.S. policies do not impede assistance to the world's worst humanitarian crisis. My goodness gracious. Um, how we ever got ourselves in that weird loop where you can't call a terrorist organization a terrorist organization. It, 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 the situation is almost too complex. You know what I mean, uh, General, yeah. that, that they could put themselves right. there. It's aiding and abetting Iran, and it always has been. It's about getting money into the hands of the mullahs, which they now they've outdone themselves. They they got uh, illegal oil sales up to $100 billion, and, and now their, their proxies, including the Houthis, are flush with cash. But the great danger is, is that the world is actually looking on this activity in the Red Sea and saying, oh, my God, has the American Navy uh, decremented itself or degraded itself so, so much that it's in a peer-to-peer -peer relationship with a bunch of ragtag terrorists? And if that's the case, shouldn't we go after them? And, and nothing could be further from the truth. Our Navy is the strongest and most powerful in the world. But if you're going to run operations and targeting from the Oval Office and bypass the expertise of the Pentagon and real warriors who wear real uniforms, this is what you're going to get. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm still glad they're good. Let's face it. Last couple of years have been very strange for Navy training, Marine Corps training, Army training. Oh, yeah. Gentlemen, to be continued. Gordon Chang, thank you. And also Blaine Holt, thank you. We'll be Great right time. back. Tyranny has victims. And the people out there start thinking what a yuck-yuck it is that this guy can get away with murder. They think it's funny because it's not affecting yeah. them yet. And I'm telling you, when the people start counting up, what's a tyrant going to be like? Is he going to be nice to me? You know, I don't think so. And I think Trump is not the nicest guy in the world. Let's face it. He's not the nicest guy in the world. And why people think it's great that he's backing up criminals and that he he's committing how many... How many crimes did he himself? Right. And by the way, E. Jean Carroll, if it's your daughter, it's your sister, it's you. Are you rooting for him in that case? Are you saying he's innocent? Innocent? He's not innocent. Yeah. He's guilty. 
uh, one of the more mild-mannered responses to Donald Trump's overwhelming victory in Iowa. I do believe he's innocent. And also, think about your sons, fathers, brothers, false accusations from 30 years ago. That's not America. <laughs> and these little tricks, these little tricks, they're, still, they're so frustrated, but they're trying the same tricks. And by the way, just think about those cops defending the Capitol. Which side were you on? The cops defending the Capitol right. or the mob? Which, which side are you rooting for right now? Who do you want to win that fight between the mob and the cops? Are you law and order? Or are you the bad guys? And that's what Trump should be. We should, I'm sorry. The Democrats should be saying, which side are you on? This guy, this tyranny, this liar who wants to hurt women? What, what, what side are you on? I know you're angry, but he's wrong. All right. They've been saying that for two years. It doesn't work. You see, they try to make it. If you don't support Biden, then you don't support law enforcement. It's so cynical, but we're wise to it. We're wise to their game. And then this moment. Keep in mind the Bible, David versus Goliath, right? We know who the good guy was and the bad guy. We all know that. Listen to how Chris Matthews frames it. You got to be careful about the big shots and the elite, because when you look too big shot, the people start rooting against Goliath and rooting for David. Yeah. And that's what happens out here in Iowa. I think it is that. Yeah, we're rooting for David. I guess you're not. And neither are your colleagues. It's kind of amazing. I'm out of time. I'll be right back. Check out my girl. Uh, she's brushing one of those mini horses. That's Annalise with the horse. Uh, or it's not, a, it's not a horse. It's not a pony. It's a mini pony or something. Anyway, she's in love with that. The, the pony's name is Cupcake. Mini pony's name is Cupcake. And later, she got on a bigger horse. And look at her. Look at her. Now, I hope she doesn't get into horseback riding at all, because I understand it's quite expensive and inconvenient and time-consuming. So we have to find an alternate hobby right away. Many thanks for watching. To be continued, what an interesting time to be alive, huh? See you tomorrow.